Valerie, Valerie, Josephine, you're the same girl I used to be. Oh, I love it. Tim and Tom. Tom, what'd you do this week? So, hey, man, there's only one story I've got because everything else is kind of irrelevant. As we ended last week's episode, yeah, right? Another yeah. great episode of Tim and Tom. Uh-huh. Fantastic. Great. It was a great Loved episode. It. And even more so, if you listen back to the end of the episode, I get a little emotional. Between Modest Yahoo's one day, Bubba Wallace Jr.'s crying when he hugged his mom at the Daytona 500, yep. I was feeling good and like, you know, the world, the yeah. world is a good place, yes. right? Right, like you we, were. If, if we get this together, we could do some really amazing things. Yes, okay, you were. that's how yes. I was feeling. Yeah. Right? So let me paint that picture for the listeners. I was in that mood where I was like, "Yes, yes, yes you yes. were. We could definitely make some progress and make this world better." Kumbaya. Exactly. So I get up. I look out the window. Like and literally after we stop recording, too. This is like immediately after. Yeah. Like I said, hey, all right, see you. You know, talk to you next week, whatever. I look out the window just because. The view from the library where I record the library, but the library room, it's a nice view. Like you can see right. the neighborhood pretty well, right? Yep. So I just wanted to take a take a gander, as they say. So I just pull the curtain to the side and I see my dome lights on. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what the, what the hell is your car my... out on the street? Yeah, from my car that I parked on the street and I go, what the hell is my dome light doing on? And then just stupidly in the most innocent, confused voice I think I could ever produce – I just out loud say, I think someone's breaking into my car. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't believe it for two reasons. One, you never think that your car is going to get broken right. into. I mean, right. you, know, you prepare for it and everything, but like, you still don't go to bed every night going like, oh God, this is the night. One, it was like, I can't believe my car is getting broken into. And then two, I can't believe I'm catching the person in the process. Right. It's not like. I see my dome light on. I notice my door is open. There's no one around. I go down. I notice, oh, my God, my car's been broken too. I can see the person breaking into the car. <laughs> and so I just, as I mentioned, I just say out loud stupidly and just so confused and bewildered, I think someone's breaking into my car. Just so happens to be that Emily yep. was reading her book in her bedroom. She goes into like, Let's throw down mode. <laughs> and I don't think I've ever seen anyone, she especially cleared, her. She cleared yeah. your turning staircase in one leap. I don't know how she exactly. did that. Exactly. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She, she's down there in a second. And so then that's when the bewilderment turns into like protection. You know, right. uh, like yeah. Yeah, I have a dog here, obviously Emily, I, I want, you know, my things, I want my, my loved ones to be protected. So then I sprint down. It dawns on me like, okay, it's just one person. It's not like I had to first like make sure like it was just one person. It's not this like gang warfare of like right. they're breaking in the car and they're breaking into the house. You know, it was just one isolated person. Right? right. So I get down there and then I think to myself, I don't have anything valuable in my car and I never have. It's, yeah. it's always been empty. The most you'll ever find is maybe six cents. Right. And that's being generous. Emily is safe. Joe isn't freaking out. Uh, the dog. And, I can see what's happening. They didn't break anything. Let's yeah. just take some information, let them go because you never know who's armed. And we they obviously right. were not, we were not in this uh, situation. Right. 
So let him just go. Well, Emily, like I mentioned, sprinted down the the staircase and she was not in the same mm-hmm. let's gather information and then let's you know, calmly assess the this situation and see what right. if the authorities yeah. have anything to say about it that's a my that was my mindset her mindset was you ain't touching elbow our stuff. to the teeth yeah. is what she was saying so she she opens the door and uh, yeah. smart about it where yeah. she was protecting herself with the door so she, you could see her head basically and that right. was it and get the sensor but button ready because sometimes uh, we sensor here yeah. but she goes Hey, what the fuck? Yeah. yeah. And they just sprint. Like they, they jump in the it was two people and they I believe gets back in the car and they just take off. And they were going down a one-way street cuz we live on a one-way street the wrong way. Oh jeez. And so, you know, we file the police report and hey, Kansas City Police Department. Love you guys. And I understand no one was murdered in this city sometimes priorities are murder first and everything second and I get that. Uh, and this wasn't one of those situations, but have a little enthusiasm. You would have thought I asked this lady to listen to me, tell her about my favorite memories in life. And she was not enthused. Like, I was like, okay, so here, and she was like, hold on. What's your name? What's your date of birth? Does this person have a head? Like, like, yeah, 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 yeah. Anything stolen? I was like, there's nothing to steal. Okay, hold on. That changes the form. Okay, so what's your social? What's the car? And I was like, we need to catch these. <laughs> like, yeah. We need to catch these. He is assies. getting away. What is wrong with you? <laughs> yeah. And so I have friends that live in the neighborhood. And so I'm texting everyone, hey, it's this car, this type. Be on the lookout. Right. Get your All pitchforks right, and your torches, and we're going to go get this guy. And so then we get on our Facebook because obviously it's 2018 right. and that's what you have to do. Right. And we belong to a neighborhood watch private Facebook page. And we go through. So we post in there, hey, this is what happened. And man alive, same profile, six to ten other people are like, that happened to me too last week. That happened to me on this street. That happened to me at this time of the night. This is here and there. Together we have now asked for more uh, presence from our security and uh, law enforcement. And so now they've uh, been patrolling the streets a little bit more. But it changed where we park because now we no longer park in the street. Yeah, I remember you calling me, and I was just kind of bewildered by the whole situation. I was like, this happened just now? Like, I just came up here and got a drink and sat out, man. And you're like, yeah. 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 It's like, what is going on? But yeah, I knew immediately the police, they might not have even filed that report, Tom. <laughs> they might have wiped their well, mouth they with gave, that. When yeah, they <laughs> yeah, they gave me a case number, which again, I, sure. I, I work in a case-based what, system. Was the case number use... four? Was it four? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I can... I come up with some numbers too but it was just incredible because as i mentioned i just never thought here's the deal they probably have one case number that's like a legit case number but they give it to every so when everybody calls they're like i need to check on case number qz and they're like oh uh, uh we haven't heard anything yet man they're gonna go interview some subjects today tim and tom Tom, I managed to get through a soccer weekend without shouting at any soccer moms. So that's hey, gold star for you. However, my son did contract the flu from that. We had play a soccer game. We come home that day. Later that night, we get a group message, which is how we all communicate. That you know, one of the team members' parents says, "Hey, uh, we just went to the ER. Good luck." Essentially, right? (laughs) So basically, like what happened. And so the next day, uh, my my son swim trunk. He says, yeah, my throat hurts a little bit. And I got a headache. And I'm like, uh-oh. Check his temperature, and it's normal, right? And I'm like, all right, huh? here, take some Tylenol, go to sleep, 
right? It was late. And the next morning, getting ready to get him up for school, and he's acting a little kind of, you know, like he doesn't feel good. So I go check his temperature again. We have one of those forehead thermometers, right? And so I just touch it to his forehead, and it starts beeping red, and it says 103. And I was like, yep. Well, we're going to the hospital, right? So let's go. 103? 103. Overnight from from 98.6, right? So, Jeez. So, uh-huh. So, was he yeah. sweating? Yeah, I could tell. Yeah, he was just, you know what I mean? He looked bad, pale. I was like, ooh. I was like, yeah, he got sick. And I was like, well, let me see. I expected, like, you know, a raised fever, but I didn't expect five points overnight. Uh, so that was interesting. Like 103 um, is like almost death, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, once it starts getting up over, I think, 102, maybe? I don't know. Look it up for sure. Do not take Tim's medical advice here. But there's a right. point in the hundreds where they say, go to the doctor. So we just did that because I know the flu's going around. This flu's been killing people, you know? So I was like, well, yeah. let's go. Yeah, no, he was on a antiviral flu medication and told to rest and, you know, brought the fever down and all that kind of stuff. Um, before, I've got a tale of dog-saving heroism. From yes, this weekend. I love it. Let me hear it. We, uh, we, the family and I, <clears throat> uh, well, the daughter was not uh, involved. She didn't care. Hey, we, don't let the facts get involved yeah. with a good story. Yes, so, she was. So we're going to go on a walk. We've got 40 acres out here. we got 20 acres of woods. My wife says, hey, I want to get some exercise in. Let's all go for a walk. And now it's still cold out, so we donned some car hearts and stuff like that. We're going to go through a trek through the woods. Cold, muddy. And mm-hmm. she goes, I really want to go. We've got a little bit of an issue with our, our land in the back corner. One of the neighbors has flooded the property through some things that he was not supposed to do. And it's caused what they call a little bit of water trespass, right? So we're going to have to address that. She says, I want to walk up that way because we can see over there's an embankment before where that water is, right? We can stand over it and kind of get a good bird's eye view of what's going on. We start to do that. And some of the water's still frozen, right? Because it was still cold. Well, the dogs are with us, Tom. And the dogs go down to their normal watering hole down there, right? It's frozen this time, and they start to go out onto it frozen. Oh, uh-huh. God. And so my wife starts going, no, 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 back, back, right? Sure enough, two of them fall right in, into this ice frozen, and they're struggling to get out, right? Struggling to get out. And she's like, come on, come on, get out. And the one claws its way back up onto the ice and climbs out. But the smallest one, the newest one we got, a real small one, mm-hmm. like 18 pounds, can't get out. It's trying to start trying to get back up on the ice, get out. And I'm like, Nick, my wife's name. I'm like, no, no, no. He's crying. He's whimpering. So now I've got to figure out how to get. Now we've got to get down this kind of cliff, you know, how to get around, get down there. And now I'm like, I can't go out on this ice either. If the dogs fell through now, I'm like, what am I going to do? This dog's freaking out. My son's sitting there trying to figure out what to do. Right. He's trying to find a way down there. I'm trying to like reach out as far as I can while holding on to this ice. I'm like, I I tried to set my foot on the ice and I could feel it was going to go. My wife just says forget it and she starts crushing the ice and gets into this water and she's waist deep and just crushing this ice and i can see like it's frozen water right i can see it you know, she gets up to like chest level deep and that's whoosh. you can see like the air leaving and she's like oh man she gets the dog tosses the dog out and now she's like ah i'm kidding like she's trying right. to get out right because she's sinking into the mud down below now we've got waders on we expected it to be muddy but now she's under this freezing water so now i have to go over there and try to like help her get out and my son was in there trying to help her get out. So we're all now soaking wet, freezing water. Dogs are are freezing, shaking. Great idea for a walk. <laughs> like, wonderful idea. Well, hey, next time, and I know you guys have 362 dogs, but next time, put a leash. Well, it's our. that's why we bought the yeah, land so they well, can that, run around. That, and, you know? Well, obviously not now. It's like the teacher in, in class when, like, one kid – uh, talks too much, then the whole class has to be silent. Yeah. Well, one dog went into the water, so you guys well, all got to be on leashes. We do worry because they will go roam without us. 
at times. And if that would have happened, I don't, you know what right. I mean? The dog would not have figured out how to get out. He was not, well, he's 18 pounds, so he wasn't really strong enough to pull himself up on slippery ice. How long would it take you to realize like, oh, hey, all oh, of our yeah. dogs aren't necessarily here. Right. right oh, yeah. It would have taken a while. It would have probably taken a long time. And then we would have been calling and walk around. And I don't know that I would have known to check that water. Like he would have fell under. I himself, know. So, yeah. And he's small enough that we would have thought anything could have got him. There's, right. there's yeah. coyotes well, out there. There's birds of prey out there. Yeah, that's sad. And now it's scary because now it's like the the threat hasn't gone away. I think we're a little more cautious about making sure they come back within certain amounts of times and stuff like that and don't let them roll. Yeah. We do have a – we did set up a – we built a little makeshift fencing area off the deck. That That's when my wife's home working. She's not just letting them roam around the property all day. They use that little pinned-in spot. So, yeah, flu, dog heroism. I also went to, if you go back to listen to last week, uh, we interviewed Stacy Saladin about the Kansas City real estate market of Keller Williams Realty. Went to a party that she invited to some of her former clients, all of them, I would assume, not just a select few that she likes, uh, to a, Tom, you've been to a wine and cheese pairing party before, yes? No. No, you've heard of a wine and cheese pairing. I've heard of them, but look at me. You think I've been invited to a wine well, and cheese tasting anything? Tom, let me tell you what Stacy invited uh, me to was a bourbon and Girl Scout cookie pairing party. Yeah, I mean, that would make more yeah. sense for me. Okay. And this was great. Yeah. So they've got uh, one of their sons is in college. He's, he's as like the bartender, and they've got all these cookies set out, and they went through a scientific tasting process to determine the best pairings, right? And they listed out their scientific research spelled out as to why and stuff like that. So it was really fun, you know, and then, you know, you're mingling the whole time. We had a great time over there. Yeah, everybody should go back and listen to that episode. So bourbon and, and Girl Scout cookies, though. Not a terrible pairing. I got to give it that. There was all different kinds well, too. You know, it was fun. Well, give me, give me what was your go-to? Like, I, okay, you had them all. Uh-huh. I'm going to say, pick your favorite of what you had. What if, was the best? If pairing? I remember correctly, it was the Basil Hayden's and the mint, the thin mints. So Basil Hayden's is a real heavy rye. Uh, oh yeah. Yeah. And then, um, I think that was the pairing with it. I can't remember. Cause there was about six or seven options out there. It was a thin mint. If that was the one, I think it was the Basil Hayden's that they use with the thin mints, just that combo. So that really thick rye and then the mint. I like it. So there you guys go. Not only are you going to get a great interview in this podcast episode, you're going to get a great girl scout cookie and whiskey. Yeah, I mean, pairing. how fun is that, really, right? I mean, so what a way to have, you know, because a wine and cheese pairing party, while I'm sure it would be fun and delicious, sounds pretentious when you say it. Come to my wine and cheese pairing party. But if you're like, hey, we're going to have a Girl Scout cookie and bourbon pairing party, you're like, okay, I've got to see this. Everybody's right. this. That's right. a great idea. Yeah, it was real Look fun. at that. Not only can she sell you a great house or buy you a great house, she gives you some fun parties, too. Look at that. Which brings us into this week, we've got Jeff Miner of the Triumph Program. This is a real unique thing, sets of things that Jeff does. He works, uh, as he you'll hear more when he explains it, but he's sports psychology and sports counseling, kind of married the two together. And if you don't understand what the difference of that is, you'll find out in the next segment. <laughs> Tim and Tom. One thing I want to touch on, though, we had mentioned off air that I think would be a fun conversation for the podcast is you had mentioned at this party, you had a fun conversation about origin stories. Let's inform the uh, audience what you were talking about there. You're talking about the Wonder Woman story? Yeah, let's hear that. Let's get into so, it. So someone at the party who will remain nameless unless they wanted me to name them. Of course. Yeah, yeah. Mentioned that they had seen a documentary about wonder woman the origins of the the people who created the character because they were talking about superhero movies and breaking down the franchises and whatnot and wonder woman came up in in that discussion as it would well apparently 
the people that created Wonder Woman, this real-life couple, were in a sadomasochistic relationship with some younger woman. And basically all of the imagery and the initial storylines were basically them putting some of their uh, sex slave encounters, you know, willing sex slave maybe. I, I don't even know the full part of that, whether it was willing or not. Uh, you'll maybe have to find that documentary. Uh, and so the, I guess all the initial Wonder Womans were about that, right? She's getting tied up and spanked. And so Wonder Woman is now kind of tainted whenever I'm going to see that. I'm like, oh yeah, no wonder she's got a garter on and just, you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, and... look at that. There you go. There's your shooting star more you know, Wonder right. Woman. Not as empowering to the female movement as we think. That is incredible. Right. You know, that was that's also another thing that I was thinking about when you had mentioned it when we were talking about that is other things that are like pop culture that have weird things that are kind of just left out once they become pop culture in the mindset of the pop culture uh, fan. For example, the movie It. Now, that's that's a scary horror film, right? Yeah. However, did you know in the book that Stephen King wrote at the end after they, you know, triumphantly overtake the clown or sure. however you want to say that, you know, cause it, cause I think then there's some more episodes and things like that. Sure. However, the movie was remade. So I watched it and I was like, that was really good. And then I was uh, informed uh, that's not all that was in the book. <laughs> and I was like, well, of course, you know, they're going to leave out some things. Like, no, they left out a big thing. And I was like, well, what's that in the book? And this is, me doing a little bit of Google research and word of mouth. After Spoiler they overcome alert. old uh, Pennywise, yeah, yeah, they just have an orgy. The what? one girl and all the boys just start, like, having an orgy. This is the book Stephen King wrote. Stephen King wrote this book. Yeah. Isn't that incredible? And how funny that we just, meh, let's not put that in the movie. Well, yeah, I mean, it's a little bit awkward. <laughs> Like how that got greenlit. That's what I'm saying is like, here's this other, you know, pop culture. Oh, you know, Pennywise no, so and red well, balloon and yeah. stuff. But yeah, the okay. guys just go okay. on Tom, to the girl. We're gonna, all of them. We're going to improv this out. You're Stephen King. I'm the, I don't want to improv no, that. No, 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 listen, no, 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 listen. You're Stephen King. I'm the book publishing company. Right. Oh, you, you, you've we're handed not me, doing the scene. Okay, you've handed good. me the manuscript. Mr. King, I, uh, this book is amazing. I have to tell you, thrilling. I, on the edge of my seat, in major suspense throughout. Uh, love the character work. You're a pro as always. Uh, nobody, mm -hmm. uh, you are the king uh, uh, of fright, as it were. I mean, it, it, this whole story, the twists and the turns and the, and just the raw fear that comes in uh, is amazing. Um, we have a little bit of concern with the with the ending uh, post post the climax. And the resolving, you know, action, you know, they, they take over Pennywise. Um, Post-climax, you say? It, yeah, well, yeah, maybe that word choice is bad. Let, let me get into, uh, I'm just wondering if we could leave off the orgy at the end between the kids. So, hey, you know, when you when you pair bourbon and, and Girl Scout cookies, sometimes you write some crazy stuff. I mean, I feel so. like we could do without this part. It was, you could just end with the, with the, with the, I'll clock. say this. I'll say this as Stephen King noted novelist and pop culture icon. Eh, if the check's right, go ahead. 
I mean, and scene. Yeah, That's yeah. how that works. Yeah, like, I, I just wonder, like, because somebody had to address it, right? And they're like, "Do we need this?" Yeah. And he's like, "Absolutely, we need it. It tells the whole story." <laughs> like, what's he? Isn't what's his incredible? justification? Because somebody had to ask. If nobody asked, yeah. if nobody asked, then they failed. You had to ask, and then I want to know what he said in response. It's mind-boggling. Once you find that out, then you try to like, "Have you seen it?" I'm like, not all of it, because I don't want to see all. Yeah, of but it. have you seen it? it no i haven't another origin story and this goes back to a few episodes ago that we were talking about music right mm-hmm. music oh the integrity man this artist makes great music this artist does not make great music i don't like that person because of their music all of those things that you hear from people well here is a fun origin story that um i uh read about or actually i saw on television there's a lady and I can't remember her name off the top of my head because I don't do any research. We don't fact check here on Tim and Tom. I saw a story about a woman who's won many Oscars for best original song in multiple movies. So she's just the queen of like writing music the for score movies. and all that stuff. Yeah, all of that stuff. Right. Not necessarily like the score, just like the soundtrack kind of stuff. Sure, so okay. like the Celine Dion Titanic, right? Like that yeah. I don't think necessarily is in the movie as far as like – you know, uh, yeah. Score is more the background music when they're walking around. You mean like the right, songs exactly. that'll play when when they're kissing, or the you know the actual songs, right? right. Yeah, that you'll buy on an album back when you right. used to do that. Right. So she's the queen of this, right? <laughs> right? So one one night she's watching in the '90s, late '90s, the Barbara Walters uh, ten most fascinating people of the year. And one of them was Barbara Streisand and James Brolin. I think it was right when their relationship became public and, you know, in the in the pop culture uh, view of everyone. Barbara Walters asked Barbara Streisand and says, uh, you know, like, how do you know this is love? Like, is this really love? And she goes, you know, there was a moment when we were laying down together. And right as we were about to fall asleep, James says, I don't want to go to sleep. And I said, well, why not? And he goes, because I'm afraid I'd miss something. And then they both quietly fall asleep, right? Ah, touching. So this lady watching the interview just writes, uh, I don't want to miss a thing. Fast forward a few months, Armageddon, the movie, right? With Bruce Willis, uh, Steven Tyler's daughter, Ben Affleck, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. They come calling. They say, hey, we need a song. He says, got it for you. Goes back to that note, writes the song in like an hour. It's uh, I don't want to miss a thing. Gives it to Aerosmith. And that's Aerosmith's only number one song (laughs) in their 40 years of performing music is a song that's about a quote from Barbara Streisand on an interview with Barbara Walters. Because it's there you go. There's that touching moment. Right. But that's what I'm saying. So the next time you go to a wedding and the first dance of Jim and Karen is that Armageddon song. Just remember it was from che- yeah. some cheesy interview for Barbara Streisand yeah. and Barbara Walters. You too can wow your friends at the party. Tim and Tom. Tom, been on any ATV rides lately? I mean, I choose to go on ATVs when appropriate, but that doesn't mean I go on ATVs a lot. Uh-huh. So did you or did you not ride an ATV naked down Highway or Interstate 29 the other day after stealing it? Hey, as we've talked about before, when you have some good bourbon and Girl Scout cookies, you do some crazy things, okay? Yeah, how fun was this story? Yeah, what was going on? So he says he was on so many drugs that basically he was like, I just couldn't stop. Apparently he also stole a car, 
that broke or, or he wrecked it. So he steals the ATV. He's naked because he's drugged out going crazy. I don't even know what you've got to be on and to what level because if I didn't reach it, I don't know what he got. <laughs> I don't know what it takes. So he's riding down the street and people are catching this on video. It's making the national news. It's super fun. The best part of the story, I feel, is the guy whose ATV is stolen. It was out, right? And he was he uh-huh. comes to go find it and he's like, wait a minute, where the hell did my ATV go? So he calls 911. He's like, somebody just stole my ATV. And they said, what color is it? And he goes, it's yellow. And they just start laughing at him. So he's like, why are you laughing at me? <laughs> you know, and they're like, we know where your ATV is. You'll be getting it back shortly. <laughs> so just fun, man. It was super fun. Yeah. And drugs are bad guys. Um, I mean, you know, yeah, let's go, let's revisit the first story that we talked about where I caught someone breaking into my car. Can you imagine what this guy would have done if he catches a naked man stealing his ATV? Right. Yeah. Know. And then they had to wash it off. Did you catch oh, that? Oh yeah, part of the well, and he damaged it all, all up too. Yeah, well, they had to go but, hose it down. Yeah, yeah, because he had he had some dookie stains on the seat. Uh, I mean, apparently drugs are incredible, and also you lose sometimes the ability. They are very uh, relaxing. Tim and Tom. I think the biggest, at least from a sports perspective, topic of the town is the Marcus Peters trade. Boy, that what a blow up that whole situation was, huh? Yeah, it, it seems to be a lot of moving parts as far as facts about the trade. At the time that they asked Andy Reid, the trade had not been finalized, so he couldn't necessarily comment. Still can't uh, be until March yeah, 14th, right? Exactly. So we're still going to be kind of left in the dark until that time period. But from what is being reported is the chiefs called every single team and said, does anyone want this guy? And everyone was kind of like, Meh, until the LA Rams said, how about this package? And they said, fine, we'll take it. So here's the thing that I find interesting about the Marcus Peters trade one. And now we're going to say, if this is accurate, the report of the front office from every other team, including the chiefs about, their view of Marcus Peters, who is an incredible athlete, one of the, the top ten put, put easily up records better than any other corner in history in some stats, right? For, yeah, for their first so, amount of years, obviously. Right. So obviously, let's just be conservative and say top ten corner in the league, right? Right. And no one wants him. No yeah. one wants him. However, this is the thing I find interesting to go along with that. So front office is saying that he is this cancer, this pariah, this just no good influence onto an organization. However, you don't hear a peep from the chiefs. No one's saying good riddance. No one's, they're all saying we miss him. Hopefully he does well in LA and good luck. So I just find that I know that front office organizations make the moves, but maybe next time consult with the players because it doesn't sound like they were too happy that you traded away a top 10 corner. I feel like one of two things happens in this situation is we, I feel like Andy Reid's the kind of guy who is, you know, well, we know this, he doesn't tell you next to anything. And he's certainly not the kind of guy to go out there and be like, Oh yeah, well, you know what he said? Because he's a jerk, right? Like he, Mm -hmm. he will protect that. And March 14th will come and they'll say, Hey, what happened? And he's going to say, uh, you know, we're focused on the guys that are here. We're going to try to win football. And he's not going to, they're not going to come out and drag Marcus Peters through the mud. So either he was really that bad that Andy Reid, who's hardly ever suspended anybody ever was like, all right, fine. Mm-hmm. We, let's just make something happen. Or he came to them and said, look, this can't, I gotta go. I gotta get out. And a lot of teams, a figured the same thing. Look, something's fishy here. 
we don't want them or just that same thing like uh, you know what i mean like i don't know man like you know like yes we want them something sounds kind of fishy uh other people we're hearing when that they think so also so we don't really gotta give you anything yeah you know, so they're right right so they were basically calling your bluff like uh-huh you, you really need to get rid of this guy because you're gonna prove it because you're gonna take this garbage now here's the reason why i don't think it's necessarily a super bad football move is because you're clearly going super youth movement right you're gonna get in this whole new package of people and if you're doing that if you're doing the rebuild and you know you're not gonna overpay marcus peters when he comes because he's probably gonna get the highest ever cornerback uh, at the rate he was going pay ever and you know well we're not gonna pay him that well, now you do got to pick, you know what I mean? Now you do got to try to get the most out of him. But the problem there is if you would have just kept him and let him walk, you would have got a third round pick for him. So, uh, so that leads me more to the relationship was tattered and torn. And that's on both sides, obviously usually is, but the player always is shown the door in that scenario, unless you're LeBron James, which he is not. I mean, it almost seems like they did him the biggest favor. He's from Oakland, so right. now he's playing in L.A. Right. He goes from Kansas City, which, yeah, I love Kansas City, but it ain't L.A. Right. And now he's living in L.A., yeah. making you know the money he and was making in Kansas City. I've heard some reports, and maybe we'll have to have uh, Nick Jacobs on uh, to see if he can confirm or, or sees if he disagrees with some of this. I've heard from some of the people who do the All-22 reviews like that. They would have to – the Bob Sutton, everybody kind of laments that he's gone to this bin but don't break – a lot of them are saying it's because he has to because Peters will only do what he wants to do on any given play no matter what. So they always have to plan safeties over the top because Marcus might go off script and play man instead or play the ball instead of playing right. drop back, right? And so if that's the case and you're building to a new youth movement, well, you're not going to get these new youth movement guys in and teach them to plan around Marcus Peters. Well, just get rid of them now then, right? Because if we're going to walk in two years, uh, what, what good am I going to do to have these guys train them to do that? And then now I'll train you what I really want you to do, right? So maybe they just thought, look, he's not going to fit into our scheme. He kind of doesn't like us. So eh, let's go. Let's move on, I guess. Which sucks. And, I, yeah, I do think there's a racial component to why a lot of maybe fans didn't like him, which I think is stupid uh, that they, you know, would think that. But you know, ultimately the organization that shouldn't have been a concern to them. I'm just sad because he was my favorite chief player because he actually had some personality. I like Travis Kelsey yes. as well, but Marcus mm -hmm. Peters had that. Like Travis Kelsey, I feel uh, puts on this act for getting an e reality show, right. getting uh, sponsorships. Marcus right. Peters does it because he's from Oakland, and sometimes people from Oakland do weird things like Marshawn yeah. Lynch. And so it well, felt more yeah. genuine with him. Yeah. And I like Travis, him. I Travis, love Marcus Peters. Travis Kelsey is saying, look at me. Marcus Peters is doing the same thing, but he don't want you looking at him. Right? He's doing the same thing. He's like, stop looking at me. Right? That's the difference between Marcus Peters and Travis Kelsey. Because it's like, look at me. Look. Yeah. Right? Look. Yeah. Look how cool I am. Marcus Peters does that thing. And then he's like, get the damn camera out of my face. Yeah. yeah. He, he. There's no There's no front with Marcus Peters. Right. And that's why I liked him so much. Uh, but now he's a Ram, so go Rams. I like well, the Rams and now. And here's the thing. If if all that's true, and we said, well, Peters, is, he's making business decisions for his own, and he doesn't get along with the coaches, this could even be a thing where, I mean, look, he's a young kid who's an alpha male mentality, full of adrenaline to be that level of a competitor, that he's going to have a hot head. Young kids that aren't that have a trouble with authority, right? So that's going to happen. Sometimes you learn that. Maybe... You know, he's sitting at home the night or whatever and going, uh, you know, what I mean, what could I have done different here? Right. Because I'm, I'm assuming Marcus Peters wants to grow as a person 
uh, as most people do, right? They want to be, you know, so he could go to L.A. and turn around, listen to the coaches more, not fight so much, not get so angry with the rest, right, and have a much better thing. And people go, oh, the Chiefs shouldn't let him go. Well, maybe not, though, man. You know, maybe he couldn't have been that here because it just he needed to get out. Well, you know, all I'll say is uh, next year, Chiefs, Good luck. Yeah. Good luck. We'll see. I mean, hey, it could be awesome. First year quarterback, yada, yada, yada. Yeah. Uh, But paper doesn't seem that way. I think their only hope is that now, hey, they are clearly getting rid of a bunch of people. They're going to be able to go spend, right? So, yeah, you're going to focus on the draft, but you should have enough to go spend to get some immediate impact, guys. And if your defense is going to suck, load them all up on offense then, and let's just go – you know, 2000 Rams style and just score yeah. 60 a game because we might need to. <laughs> so let's do it. So are you picking them to win the Super Bowl again? Yep, right. You did. <laughs> you did. I'm going to pull up the tape. Tim and Tom. Let's stick with us through the break then. We've got Jeff Miner of the Triumph program. We were talking about some of this very stuff here with the Marcus Peters thing. I'm sure Jeff could could do wonders to help everybody involved on all sides of that little dispute and spat and whatever it was. But uh, he's going to talk about sports psychology, sports counseling, and what they do. But uh, stick around. You'll hear a lot more when we return to Tim and Tom. Fun fact, after the film Top Gun came out, sales of Ray-Ban aviator glasses, sunglasses increased by 40%. Believe me, they never said it was easy. It wasn't working because I wasn't working. Was wishing like I had a genie. Knew that I wanted it deeply. Killer City, yeah, they need me. Make a claim for my name on the wall inside the Hall of Fame of the Gainers Graffiti. I was young and I needed to break out. I was broken, I needed a way out. Had to learn a business, had to get specifics. Plotting in the Civic on the way south. On a mission to build up the network. Tim and Tom. So, Jeff, how are things with you on this wonderful March 1st night? Great. I can't complain at all. I'm sitting here with my cat, and I'm enjoying my evening. All right, so let's catch everyone up. You know, we're doing well, I think, Tim. Yeah, I'm doing all right here. I just got through a grueling first segment with Tom, so that always wears on on you as it would, as I'm sure you're well aware there, uh, Jeff, but we, 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 uh, we appreciate you coming on here. You got a thing going on called the triumph program and, and it kind of centers around some sports psychology. If I'm understanding this correctly, can you help us maybe give a layman's term as to what you do? What I do is it's a mix between sports psychology and sports counseling. Kind of, I started out and I went into the counseling field because I wanted to help athletes that struggled with issues like I did, like anxiety, performance, anxiety, dealing with the pressure of everybody, the expectations and college scouts watching you and all that kind of stuff. And I really struggled with that. I was a good athlete, but I just never was able to be as good as I could have been if I would have had it more in control. So what I did was I kind of became the person that I wish I would have had to talk to. You know, I look back at my past and I look back and I say, God, I wish somebody would have helped me deal with the pressure, the anxiety or the emotions or after I blew out my knee and I was done. And I, it's like, I wish I would have had somebody to talk to. So I became a counselor and my first jobs were basically 
you know, did an internship with athletes at the University of Utah. And then I went and I did some things with the Olympic Committee. I did, I worked with athletes with eating disorders. And then I also worked with the American Athletic Association of the Deaf Coaching, which was part of the Olympic umbrella. But what I did was I was able to do my counseling and, and go through the traditional counseling piece. And then I was at the Olympic Committee and I had this little gold pass. And that pass kind of let me go in to watch all the sports psychologists at the Olympic Committee that were working with the athletes that I was working with. And so I started seeing these techniques and how I could use those in my practice and how using biofeedback to help people relax and doing all these sports psychology things and being able to offer a, a little different twist is I can help people go into their past. Sports psychologists are kind of stuck with, they can go into the future basically, but they don't deal with trauma. They don't deal with past emotions or fears or things like that. So that's something different that I can do that a sports psychologist necessarily isn't trained to do. For an athlete to sign up for a program with you in a broad sense, because every athlete is different obviously, but in a broad sense, what does that look like? How long is it? And then do you meet with them once a day? Like, how do you tailor an athlete's schedule to your own schedule and then get the results that you guys are both looking for? Oh, that's a great question. <laughs> and it's always a work in progress. But what happens is athletes will come in and we discuss, and it's an eight-session package. So what they do is they go through the first eight, session, eight sessions, and what that means is one-on-one -on -one hour with myself. Then they have other trainings that they can do at Triumph, like they can use Mindset, they can do biofeedback training, they can do those types of things. But for my services, it's eight sessions. And what, what I have them do is they come in and we test their mental toughness where they stand on the mental toughness scale and do they allow things to affect them or do they have a lot of fears or anxieties before? Do they worry about the pressure and does it consume them and do they have a tough time relaxing? And basically it all comes down to what we're assessing is, is the fun out of the sport? Bottom line is when it becomes those kinds of pressure and anxiety and those kinds of things, it stops being fun. Often we'll hear too, when we talk about things like mental stability or, or mental health too, and, and as you're talking about fears, anxieties, there's a lot of talk, especially in, in current times where people talk about the sort of medical aspect of that. And there are, there's a lot of merit to that, but there is, you know, this field where you can say through counseling and psychology and things like this, we can also work on making those changes in your mind that you can control your mental health to some aspect through, you know, non-Medicaid things like this. Are, are athletes that you've noticed more or less receptive to this kind of approach? Do you have to convince some people or are they, you know, have they all kind of caught on that, hey, the mental is as important as the physical? Well, you know, let me, let me ask you, you know, before you perform, before you, and a lot of people get anxious or whatever. And if I said, do you think it would help you if you could lower your heart rate and calm down within 20 seconds? Mm -hmm. yeah. Do you think it would help you if you didn't have doubt or fear and you went at things with, with confidence? Because basically what I do with these athletes is I help them walk into their fears. Because basically you can't have fear or doubt and be confident. They don't right. exist in the same plane. So what we got to do is we got to 
to identify those fears. What is, what are your limiting beliefs? What is holding you back from where you want to be? And let's identify those and let's walk into them. Let's approach them. Let's address them. Let's talk about them. Because fears are usually based in the unknown. It's like, you know, what if I'm not good enough? What if I run out of gas? What if I embarrass myself? What if I say the wrong thing? What if I, once you walk into those fears, they go away. So it's like one of the only ways to build confidence is to address your fears or to walk into them. But if you're not consciously doing it, you know, most coaches are saying, you need to be more confident. You need to be able to relax more. You need to be able to focus. It's like, Who's teaching people how to do that? So then, you know, the selling point becomes that. Do you find that coaches and athletes are, do you have to do that every time to get them to realize that, hey, you know, you should focus on this also? Or are they already, have the people caught on to this already? Or are you finding that you've got to spend some time convincing them first that that they need to focus on this stuff? I've got a, what I'd say, a very high close rate. Okay. Once, (laughs) Once an athlete comes in or once somebody comes into my office, it's like, what we do is you're right here. You're at point A and you want to be at point B. And we help you to figure out the plan to get you there. Once people understand and come in and say, oh, there's tools that I need to have to be able to go to the next step. Because mental toughness is something that can be learned. It's why the Navy SEALs go through what they do, carrying those things over their head for hours and hours and hours. And they're doing that to because basically when your mind is is giving up, let's say you're doing a chair sit or a wall sit or something, and your mind says drop, you still got about 60% left in the tank. How do you help athletes tap into that 60%? You're speaking about having athletes go into the fear, and obviously, you know, that is a huge part of overcoming, you know, adversity and then achieving goals, you know, in sports specifically and other aspects as well. But what are some of the other issues that you've seen, generally speaking, obviously, we you don't want to give out client uh, information, but generally speaking, what are some other yeah. issues that you see athletes have to address to get success? Um, a lot of times it's like it's parents and a lot of times it's and that's why what I do is so valuable is because I can go into those things. It's like, where did you develop your limiting beliefs? So if you developed at at a young age that you're not worthy or you're never good enough or you, you learn those messages from your parents, so you've been responding to things throughout life like that. So it's like, I'm never good enough. I'm not, so that confidence hasn't been instilled. You have to go back and address that before you can move forward. And that's more of the counseling that you were speaking of, correct? Right. It's exactly. It's like, we got to go back and we got to figure out where did that limiting belief start? And then how did it affect you? Is it still affecting you? And if it's still affecting you, we got to do something about that. I heard you mention a couple of times, you mentioned a biofeedback training and you said it would help people relax. Can you maybe expand on what that is for for those of us who don't know? I've got, I use heart rate, I use temperature, I use, anyway, what it it does, I'll give you the the 100 foot version. (laughs) If you can train yourself to lower your heart rate in, say, 30 seconds, if you can lower it by 10 to 15 beats, you can control your emotions, your mood. And so if we train you to do that, to control your heart rate, your breathing, things like that, through biofeedback, and what biofeedback is, is it's basically 
you do a baseline, and then you're watching a screen, and you're hooked up to these gadgets, <laughs> and I say, do what you can to relax. Figure out how to relax. So usually they don't know anything at first, and then I train them with some techniques. We use, I have several different techniques, mindfulness, we use different meditations, we use a tool called brain tap, we use different kinds of tools to help them be able to relax and then practice and practice and practice. The better you get, the more in control of that mood you are. Like I'm working with a professional golfer right now and a baseball player that's in college that they're cousins and they're competing. And so who can lower their heart rate the lowest? Who can um, drop it the quickest there? And so it's, all of a sudden it's caught on within my office and all the people coming in. So now I got a big board up there and all the athletes are competing. That who can control their heart rate? Who can control their blood pressure? The GSR galvanic skin response, it's, that's like a lie detector. You can, so it's teaching you all, and I'm teaching you different techniques to these things. Imagine if you can get into the zone when you want. Usually athletes are like, wow, I'd love to get in the zone. And, but imagine if you can learn skills that will take you into that zone immediately. So it's like if you mess up or if you do something, you can come right back to being in the zone. And that's mm -hmm. what athletes strive for. That's why, like, Jeff Hornacek did the face thing, and that's why it's like they learn these tools to be able to refocus. It's not to be able to focus for four hours. Tiger Woods said, yeah, try to focus for four, four hours solid. Mm -hmm. you got to be able to refocus when you need to. What are some of those challenges? You know, we've been speaking about people that need to gain confidence or, you know, believe in themselves from limiting beliefs that were either put on them by friends or family. But have you ever had any type of clients where they're overconfident? Everything should be coming to them so easy, but then they hit a wall. You know, now they're, for example, going from the college to the pro rank and whatever their sport is. And now it's a whole new game. Have you ever had that type of a client? And what are those challenges? look like in regards to others, you know, who just need that self-belief? There's different challenges at every, at every level. The challenges are different. Like when you work with a professional athlete, when you work with other kinds of, like I, I do work with some MMA athletes. I work with football players. There are different walls that they face. And a lot of it is the media. A lot of it is the pressure. Like all of a sudden they've got money. And right. all of a sudden, so it's like there's lots of different issues that are ongoing. One of the ones, like when I was working, doing some work with Utah Jazz, one of the things that the issues that we faced were not Jeff come in and make us focus better. It was Jeff come in and help us with our marriage or family or relationship challenges or, you know, the expectations and the, the wives all form clicks and there's if you're not fitting in and so it's like i did a lot of that kind of stuff do you get anybody coming in and uh, just saying all right i'm here doc fix me like and they just expect you to be able to like work miracles you have challenges like that to deal with they quickly find out that it's hard work yeah. it's like you know i this golfer and and the baseball player that i'm telling you about that they're competing they've been doing this for quite a while and they've been able to bring their their heart rate, their blood pressure, all those kinds of things down. But it takes a lot of practice. Yeah, you know, it's like David, 
David Blaine, when he went underwater for that nine and a half minutes, got his heart rate down to one beat per minute. And so I told these guys that, and they're like, okay, now we got something to shoot for. (laughs) It's like, if one person can do it, I can do it. It's like, I love it. So they're like becoming zen, and it's like this baseball player that I'm talking about is just this past year, he has completely changed his whole body, his whole mind, his whole training, just he is dedicated like six to eight hours a day. He just got player of the week. He's batting four eighty five. He's on his on base percentage is like five eighty three. Wow. And I know. So it's like this dude is amazing. He's so, totally amazing. So you're saying this baseball player did not recently get traded to the San Diego Padres then? Just want to make sure we're no. we're clarifying. <laughs> right, right. You were speaking about some success stories, you know, obviously with this baseball player and, and uh, the golfer as well. Is there anyone, as far as like the general public that would that you've seen either worked with or maybe you've seen from afar that you've seen go through this process where you know they were they were hint, hitting a a mental. Uh, snag and they couldn't go over a certain obstacle and then obviously they were able to overcome do you have any example like that that you either bring up to your clients or that you know just in general that you're aware of you bet and there's a lot of things that like that but you know i'll give you an example of a gymnast that i was working with and i'm not sure if this is what you're asking tom but let me make sure is i was working with this gymnast that was pretty good and was hoping to win nationals and a week Probably two weeks before, she did a back handspring on the beam and missed the beam, went down, landed on her head and was freaked out and couldn't do a back handspring on the beam. So what we did was a trauma technique. We did EMDR where it's a trauma technique and it's very effective. I've used it thousands of times. And within, I think it was, probably two sessions, she was fine. This technique is very good at getting athletes, getting people over traumas, over, like I've used it with people in swamps a lot. And when they're feeling down and they're not playing well, it's like it works great. So it's a technique that a sports psychologist couldn't use, but I can. Hey, listen, we know you have an appointment here coming up soon that you've got to get to. So we want to make sure people know where to go if they want to learn more that we couldn't cover here. I love it. Thank you, guys. You can reach me at Triumph KC on Facebook, Triumph Program KC on Instagram, and Triumph Program on LinkedIn. Our main website is triumphprogram.com. And Tom, we're going to have to uh, maybe schedule an appointment so we can do some podcast mental practicing techniques to get us, you know, to perform at the highest level of podcasting. Get this podcast to the next level. Right. Yes, yeah. indeed. Right, because there's something clearly. We can do that, guys. Clearly, we have a limiting, <laughs> uh, <laughs> we have some limiting beliefs because you know, we're, we're trying to get this podcast <laughs> over the hump and something's blocking it. So, no, <laughs> we appreciate well, you. Yeah. Well, this show is going to do it you know all of a sudden it's going to go viral and boom I like it. I like there it, it is. And that's like Jeff Miner, uh, the Triumph program. Like I said, go check it out. If you or or somebody you know is an athlete that even isn't necessarily struggling, but just wants to know how they can perform better from a mental aspect, even 
uh, reach out to Jeff. And Jeff, we appreciate you coming on here and telling us uh, even the slightest amount of what you do. It sounds like we could talk about this for hours upon hours. Well, I enjoy talking about it, as you can tell. All right. Well, we appreciate you coming on, Jeff. Thanks. You guys have a great one. Tim and Tom. There's so much to, you know, we're both pro wrestling fans, and we talked about, or I've talked about um, this to other people. Uh, Mark Henry, uh, the strongest man mm-hmm. in the world, pro wrestler. He was a former Olympic weightlifter. Uh, had mentioned on the Jay Moore podcast that one of the techniques they had him do was do blind lifts. Uh, where they would cover the weights and not tell them how much it is, and he could lift sixty percent more than he could. Mm-hmm. And I, I, it's just amazing what you know the mental blocks we have to things that are not really there. Well, and that's what even he mentioned. I don't know if it's coincidence or not, but when he said he puts you know those clients in that first mental uh, toughness check mm-hmm. and they quit on themselves, and then you know a few weeks later they're able to do you know forty to sixty percent more on that second attempt, and it's because you know you quit on yourself, but you still have more in the tank. And mm-hmm. he really does a great job of getting that extra out of you. Uh, I became aware of him. Um, he works as he mentioned uh, uh, as he mentioned with a lot of MMA fighters and that's how I became aware of him through that and uh you know obviously uh the uh I guess it's client privilege you know I'm not gonna out who those people are unless you want to follow him on social media you'll see it that way but um yeah they all attest to how good he was or how good he is uh because he's still currently working with some others um and what he does to get you from point a to point b and uh like you'd mentioned it's you know if you're doing great and let's say, you know, you've hit a plateau, he also helps at that point. Right. You don't have to be in the slump, you know, or, or for 20 or whatever. Or you could be doing great and it's still great information to know to continue doing great, to be doing even greater. Right. I mean, it's it's certainly mm-hmm. going to help, as we've discussed here, it's more often more mental than it is physical. Now, obviously, athletes need the physical prowess as all, uh, also, but, man, mental is yeah, such but, a big part you of it. Exactly. When you get to those highest levels, you know, the LeBron James, the Derek Jeters or, you know, whoever it is, even at the local level, you're getting great results. But how can you get better? And you don't have to necessarily wait for the other shoe to drop. You can, like he said, you can get in there and understand, like, I'm doing well now. But, man, if I knew this, I can do even better. And he does an amazing job of that. Well, and you can arm yourself with the knowledge of how to get out of those slumps before you get into exactly, slumps. yeah. Right. And obviously, so, you know, yeah. we didn't get into it because you know of time constraints, and he had to go. But you know, his clientele that he could easily just speak of the Olympic Committee mm-hmm. and the Utah Jazz. I mean, those are two great organizations as far as getting results. Yeah. Obviously, he he's a trusted name for that. So, as you mentioned, uh, if you're an athlete or if you know of an athlete, because obviously we talk a lot of sports and people that typically listen to sports do sports. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you're wanting to take it to that next level, as corny as that sounds the next level, but that is what it is. Contact him at triumph program. I think he'll do some great things for you. I think he will. And we're going to do some great things when we come back. Cause Tom's going to tell you about some great events around the Metro area. We've got some fun ones when we come back to Tim and Tom. Fun fact, Nintendo trademarked the catchphrase. It's on like donkey Kong. We all want to know somebody and hold somebody and show somebody that life is something more. Give ourselves like we owe somebody like, yo, somebody stayed up waiting for you to walk in the door. Because they were so anxious they couldn't sleep. And only you could bring them peace. Tim and Tom.
now. This episode of Tim and Tom is brought to you by Your Business. Tim and Tom's listeners could be hearing about Your Business right now. They could be hearing Your Business's address. Or your business's website address. Or even your business's phone number. But they're not hearing that right now, are they? If you want the listeners of Tim and Tom to know more about your business, contact us at timandtomkc at gmail.com. Tim and Tom. All right, so your car got broken into, but you still have it. It's not damaged. I still have it. So you can still Another get around problem. town. What are you going to do? Oh, I tell you what, we have plenty of fun events. And let's kick it off with one of my favorite artists from the 80s and 90s. Uh, at the Uptown Theater, March 2nd at 8 p.m., it is good old Steve Winwood. Undoubtedly, you've heard this song. So you, if you want to see the man in person, go check Oh, it. my goodness. I tell you what. Again, that is going to be at the Uptown Theater, 3700 Broadway Road, Kansas City, Missouri. Steve Winwood in concert. You've got Valerie. You've got Higher Love. You've got Roll With It. you got While You See a Chance. you got Back in the High Life again. I mean, those are just a few of the hits, and I love them all. Ooh, it's going to be a good one. Uh, play me a yeah. little bit more of that. Come on. Play oh, me a little well, bit more. Well, here, Ooh, I was woo. switching... Switch to that. You've also got uh, here this one here. Let's, let's move. If if you could see the elation on Tom's face, those of you with the enhanced radio can, of course, but. Uh, Steve Winwood, I tell you what, that boy or that man, he gets me going when he plays them instruments. I tell you what, <laughs> when he gets to picking and a grinning, when he gets in that oh, Valerie, oh, love it. Anyhow, so that is going to be March second. Then March 9th, oh, we got another good band coming. Now this is going to be at the Maristar Casino, that is thirty two hundred North Maristar Drive, Kansas City, Missouri. Uh, this is going to be Friday, March 9th at eight thirty. We have Three Dog Night. Yeah, some good old some classic rock. Like even more. What would you call it? If They'll play it on a classic rock station, but I don't even know how to describe this. It's more that feel hippie, good southern rock. Yeah, right. Yeah, that that hippie southern rock stuff back then. Man, that was good mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah, yeah. Three Dog Night. Love- I like that. Yeah. So there you go. That is going to be again Friday, March 9th, eight thirty at Ameristar Casino. Three Dog Night. Yeah, Three Dog Night. Yeah, three dog night. Won't that be fun? Oh, I love it. Gosh dang. I love that music. It just gets me going. 
Don't even know what happens. I'm almost like that that naked guy on the ATV yeah. when I hear some three dog rider or Steve Winwood. I just black out. I don't know what to do with my hands. Don't know what to do with my hands or my feet. Yeah. What happens to my hips? <laughs> All right. So the next event we got going on yeah. is <laughs> March 9th. Okay. This is going to be on the side of the events. It's going to be at the Sprint Center. That's going to be a Friday, March 9th from 6, probably to 8. Uh, tip time has not been confirmed because we haven't got the teams because it's going to be the 2018 Big 12 Men's Basketball Championship, most likely between Kansas and Oklahoma, but we'll see. Ooh, I don't <laughs> know about the Oklahoma part. Well, and you know what, KU, maybe not either because uh, they may be in, yeah, that would be nice to win the tournament, but we got our 14th straight. We're going to the, the NCAA tournament. So typically yeah, you'll see them. Yeah, but you'll see them right? falter in. Yeah, they could play into a they lock in a one seed by doing well in the tournament for sure. That's what I'm saying. But uh, do not be surprised. I've I've watched a whole lot of Big Twelve basketball this year. Do not be surprised if somebody that nobody thinks will win this thing wins it because we've seen that any of the teams could really beat any of the other team if the right things don't happen, which is not atypical of basketball in general. A really bad team can beat a really good team if the really good team just does a few things stupidly. Uh, you know, oh, I mean, just a few things. Really just a handful of things and not really play hard. So don't be surprised if that happens because, you know, K-State's going to win it all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. They ain't going to win one uh, probably. No. Yeah. And this this uh, this upsets me. Let's just go on a little tangent of my own here. I In college sports, whatever. I don't care. But what irritates me a little bit is, man, how much fun was it in the Sprint Center area when Missouri was in the oh, Big yeah. 12 and you had the Mizzou KU rivalry mm. and it was just fun to like go to a bar and just hear well, and KU yeah and MUKU and Nebraska people coming down yeah because they travel well and just have them yelling at each other just yeah. stupid things right. like it's just uh, and now yeah Nebraska you're gone Missouri you're gone it was mainly the Nebraska Kansas thing I really missed that because I didn't care I didn't have a horse in the race because I went to the University of Central right. Missouri so I don't care but I miss hearing KU. it and now yeah, I just yeah. miss hearing it. Well, but yeah, so anyhow. Missouri is one of the things that really sparked this huge wave oh, of conference realignment to begin with. Yeah, uh, because of green. So stupid. Uh, can't. Well, can't and they always, it. they forever, ever since like the Big 12 started, they've been trying to get to the Big 10 forever. They're like, we want to go to the Big 10, Big 10. And then the Big 10 was like, well, yeah, what about your sister Nebraska over there? And took them, and then they were embarrassed and had to run out of town in the SEC. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they really screwed up. Because then everybody around everywhere went, Oh, and just we got all go teams somewhere. off, man. Everything Colorado left in. I mean, like it just really was annoying. Yep, yep definitely. So yeah, that again is going to be Friday, March 9th, the 2018 Big 12 Men's Basketball Championship. Now, like uh, the next big holiday to come up is going to be St. Patrick's Day. So to get you in the mood, we got an event here. It's the Westport St. Patrick's Day Run. That's this is going to be Saturday, March 10th. Starts at 10 a.m. Goes till. Hopefully, when you finish that race, um, it's going to be at 4050 Pennsylvania Avenue, Kansas City, Missouri. Uh, this is going to be great. It's the 40th annual Westport St. Patrick's Day four-mile run. Mm-hmm. Uh, bagpipes will sound, glasses yeah. will rise, and a sea of green will flood Kansas City. Don't miss out on the fun, whether you hail from Missouri or from Kansas or from the beloved hills of Ireland. Come out and uh, join this Fantastic race. Ticket information uh, you can find on uh, register.crono track.com. 
Chrono Track. So register.chronotrack.com. Uh, again, this is going to be the Westport St. Patrick's Day run, Saturday, March 10th, starting at 10 a.m. Finishes when you get past that uh, finish line. I regret uh, from my last trip to Walmart, which there usually is a regret uh, whenever you take a trip to Walmart, that my regret from this trip to Walmart was not purchasing one or both of two t-shirts for St. Patrick's Day that I was looking at when I was walking by them. Uh, there was one that was a green shirt that said, this is my only green shirt. Uh, and I was like, yeah, I'm at you. Right. I was like, yeah. But then I saw, <laughs> right. Cause how great is that? Right. Cause typically that's what we wear on St. Patrick's day is our, right? of course. So mm-hmm. I almost bought that, but then I couldn't decide between that and one that said, who's your laddie. And so I ended up going with neither. And now I'm like, why don't I just get both? I should have got both. But the, I think the, who, this is my only green shirt is the one I should have went with and I should have got it. Yeah. Uh, I'll maybe, maybe I'll get lucky and it'll still be there, but probably not. Probably not. St. Patrick's yeah, day is fun. I- St. Patrick's Day is fun. I actually have to work. It's on a Saturday. I have to cover uh, for the Cox Automotive Company to make sure that our clients are getting the best customer service uh, they are uh, paying for. Uh, but I don't have to wear uh, anything green. I actually have a clover leaf tattooed on my left arm. Uh, I am Irish, McCullough, as yeah. people who know my last name. I don't care whether you believe in a religion or you believe in evolution. Uh, both of us believe that we came from one thing. So you're just cherry picking what you like, whatever. I don't care. But uh, I like this. It's fun. Irish fun. I've I've never met Irish people. Yeah. I've never met a group of Irish people where I'm like, ah, I'm always like, I'd be friends with them. Let me, before we get into our favorite things of the week, let me review, uh, the event. So here we go. March 2nd, we have Steve Winwood at the Uptown Theater. Then on March 9th, we have at the Ameristar Casino, Three Dog Night. Then following that up on also March 9th, we have at the Sprint Center on the sports end of the events, the 2018 Big 12 men's basketball championship game. And then as we've just been talking about on March 10th at 10 a.m. at 4050 Pennsylvania Avenue, we have the Westport St. Patrick's Day four mile run. So there you go. Tim's favorite. Hey, what's your uh, favorite thing of the week? You want to get into that? You know, uh, the movies tell us that law enforcement back in the day used to be a, you know, there'd be a sheriff and then there's the bank robbers, right? And the sheriff would warn the bad guys, like, I'm coming for you. And, you know, like they'd have the Mm -hmm. showdown Mm -hmm. and the, oh, it's only a matter of time, right? It feels like, you know, we don't see that a whole lot in practice, especially anymore, right? It's become large organizations. The police departments are. You don't know who the sheriff is half the time. You may know the county sheriff that you voted on, but you know what I mean? It seems so removed from any of that stuff. So a Florida sheriff has changed my mind about that thought, Tom. Why is that? Because I don't even know this gentleman's name. You'll have to check out our Facebook page. Maybe if it'll show it on the video as we come here. But a SWAT team had just done a raid of a drug house. And this sheriff gets on this video to explain what happened this morning. And, and I really like his uh, just calm demeanor throughout this whole thing. And here we go. Hey, how y'all doing, Clay County? Come with me. We're out here this morning in the Hickory Glen neighborhood. Me and the guys from the SWAT team, narcotics section. We uh, just served a search warrant on a narcotics house. And I've warned and warned again. And that's why we call this Operation You Were Warned. Because these individuals, all 15 of them that came out of this residence, were warned before that if they kept up, that we'd come back. And I continue to tell folks, and I'll say it time and time again, and folks don't, don't seem to believe what I'm saying. 
as the sheriff of Clay County, I'm telling you, if you want to commit crimes in Clay County, you got options. You can stop what you're doing, you can leave Clay County, or you too will be on the receiving end of this. Oh. So he walks up to this house, and I mean, it's they've beat down the door, you know what I mean? Like they've taken, crashed in windows. One day, you'll be sleeping at night, or early one morning, and you'll hear a bang and a lot of noise. And the end result and the outcome will be me standing in your living room, like I said, drinking my morning cup of coffee. Of course, he drinks his coffee. Ah. 15 going to jail, three big gulps. Y'all take care, Clay County. It's pretty impressive when your sheriff's more gangster than the than the gangsters, right? I tell you what, when you got confidence and that swagger, that's what you get. <laughs> Woo! It's just yeah. fun to see that. And I, and I, I like when you see a few of these where, like, the sheriff gets on and makes a fun video. I like that. Use the technologies. You know what I mean? That's how you're going to endear yourselves to people that otherwise, you know, aren't maybe like, oh, I love the cops, but also aren't, you know, criminals trying to kill the cops. You know what I mean? Like, if you want them to think, oh, yeah, that's right, the cops are good guys, you got to have a little confidence and a little swagger to you also. You don't have to be so... Well, we're the police, and we right, right? Like you know, you got to be fun. relatable. Right. Yeah, be relatable. Tom's favorite. It's kind of just more of a statement. It's kind of uh, another thing about believing in yourself. If you think what you're doing, as far as professionally or even personally, is the right thing to do, bet on yourself. Uh, and sometimes when you bet on yourself, it pays off huge. Yeah. And this week, I'll share a fun story with what happened. Uh, in the world of business. So before I tell you what happened this week, let's track to 2013. In November 2013, Jamie Simnoff, I believe is how you say his name, Mm -hmm. Jamie Simnoff, came on a show called Shark Tank. Mm -hmm. You've seen Shark Tank, right? Oh, yeah, love it. He was valuing his Wi-Fi-enabled video doorbell at $7 million. Four sharks passed. And uh, Mr. Wonderful, Kevin O'Leary, offered his typical uh, loan royalty deal, right? Like, I'll give you a loan, I get uh, whatever on the royalty, that's my deal. Well, Jamie passed. That company became Ring. Mm -hmm. And and this week was sold to Amazon for more than one billion, Mm -hmm. with a B, billion dollars. Mm -hmm. Always bet on yourself. Always bet on yourself. And it is a great product. I've used it a lot. It, it's worked wonderful. I, I don't use it now just because uh, I know somebody's coming up my drive before the ring doorbell would at this point. Uh, the driveway is long mm-hmm. enough. But um, I loved it and would recommend it. And, yeah, boy, the Shark Tanks missed out on that one. I If somebody would have told me before I knew of the product, right, on the TV that, like, hey, you can talk to somebody that's ringing your doorbell from wherever the hell you're at, uh, you know what I mean, whether you're there or not, or you don't even have to talk to them. We'll just record so you know who was there. Uh, you know what else I used it for? We were selling a home, and mm-hmm. uh, you, you screw this thing on so I didn't take it off. But anytime somebody came or went, uh, there's a motion detector so it would record. So I would hear right away if somebody was interested or not. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, I knew right yeah. away. I was like, well, they're, done. they're not coming back, right? So, right. Uh, yeah, the ring doorbell was great. And, yeah, man, uh, sometimes you got to – he could have easily taken that uh, deal – and might not have changed this, but now he would have had to pay how much in royalties to what's his name over there, you know? Yeah, oh, Kevin O'Leary, Mr. Wonderful. Yeah, right. so good for him. Bet on yourself if you know what you're doing is right. 
Tim and Tom. Thanks to Jeff Miner and the Triumph program for telling us some of the interesting stuff they do. And if you have anybody uh, in any sort of athletic competition that wants some help in that regard, contact them. And then, of course, don't steal stuff from people's cars. You know, don't steal yeah. an ATV. Don't break into Tom's car. Don't do these things. There you go. Don't right. don't don't be a jerk. Don't steal. We yeah. Don't be a jerk and don't steal. And we will. And then come back next week and listen to more Tim and Tom. There you go. Hey, fun fact: U.S. Route 50 is known as America's loneliest road. One day, I promise it's gonna pay off. So set in my way. Swear I may never take a day off. Uh-uh. No way they taking shots, man. They off, way off. Treat every game like it's the playoffs, right? All work, no play. Man, I may never take a day off. Tim and Tom.